Y'all go and turn to Philippians chapter 3. I want to talk this morning a little bit about what do you do when you're weary? Anybody ever been weary? Well, thanks for saying that because most people won't admit when they're weary, but anybody ever been weary? I'm glad you said that because, I mean, most people are like, eh, I'm all right. No, you're not. Do you know what? Let me just let y'all in a little secret. When you weary, people can tell you weary. I mean, let, let's just, I'm just going to put that out there. If, if I look at someone and, I, I, and they're weary and I know they're weary, you can, you can smile all you want to. You can hide it any way you want to try to hide it. But you know what? When you're weary, you're weary. When you get weary, you're just weary. And people, everyone, anyone, especially people close to you, they know. They look at you and they say, hey, listen, you're not all right. You may say you're all right, but you're not. Can I let you all know a little secret? <clears throat> the reason we have a family of faith is because it's all right to be not all right. I mean, at the end of the day, if you can't be not all right with the people who love you most and your church family and the people of God, who can you be not all right with? See, a lot of y'all, y'all, y'all raised in church, y'all been around church your whole life, some of y'all haven't, but a lot of y'all have been turning around church your whole life, you're not supposed to let people know you're weary. You're not supposed to let people know you're weird because, you know, how are you? I'm fine. I'm blessed. I know you're not. You're, now you're just a liar. Now, now, not, now, now not only are you weary, now you're a weary liar. <laughs> now you just become a weary liar. Or at best, a weary hypocrite. Now, I'm not telling you that when someone comes up and says, how are you? You've got to dump everything in your life on them in the foyer of the church. Please don't do that. But I am telling you that there are times when people are going to ask you and God's going to open a door and you can share your burden with people and they will be willing to help you carry that burden. You know we're commanded to do that. See, I have a question for you. You know the Bible says carry one another's burdens. It tells us to do that. You can't do that if people won't share their burden. But I'm going to tell you something. There's weariness and then there's full-fledged burnout. Can I tell you this? Weariness, weariness always precedes full-fledged burnout. You know how you get to full-fledged burnout? You try to be weary all on your own. You want to get to full-fledged burnout in your life? You want to get to the point where you don't have the faith to move on and don't have the faith to go on? Try, carry weary, try carrying weariness on your own. Because exactly what's going to happen is this. You're going to get weary, and you're going to get wearier and wearier and wearier. And then what's going to happen, you're going to lose hope. And the absolute worst thing that can happen to a human being is the loss of hope. Period. You can survive. Listen, human beings can survive unbelievable physical pain. Human beings can, 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 can adapt and adjust to horrible situations, horrible circumstances. But when a person loses hope, I don't know if you've ever been in what you felt like was a hopeless situation. There's nothing more miserable. Because when you get to a place where you've lost hope, everywhere you look, you see misery. That's just rain. It's okay. Do not be distracted by the rain. The rain is a wonderful thing. 
The rain is a wonderful thing. As I get to be an adult, I like the rain. When I was a kid, I hated it because it meant baseball practice was canceled or you couldn't go outside and play. I mean, it was like, no, it's raining. Anybody got little kids that hate the rain? Especially if they got an activity, they want to do something. Yeah. But the worst thing that can happen to a human being is the loss of hope. What if I were to tell you this morning that you have to be intentional to actually become weary? I'm fixing to tell you something this morning. You and I, we choose weariness. We choose weariness. You know how I know that? Because we have free will and we choose anything in our life. Everything that happens in our life, we somehow or another contribute to the choosing of that thing. No, no, they did this to me. You stayed there for them too. I mean, I've had times in my life where people mistreated me. But you know what? You can't mistreat me as I'm walking away. Listen, if somebody's mistreating you, let them mistreat your backside. Just walk on away. You can mistreat the back of my head and my shoe soles. You choose. I choose weariness. Because, see, we walk this thing called a faith walk. Dylan, come here. Sit on the stage right there. And when you get up, your back ain't going to hurt no more, so you ain't got to make that noise. No, go back. You ain't done. You ain't done. I said when you... I mean, come on, yeah, you, you ain't, they're more grunting when you get up. How old are you? How old are you? You're 32 years old, son. You're too young to grunt when you get up. You're too young to grunt when you get up because here's the thing. If you're going to live a long life like the Bible promises, you're going to sound horrible like 95. You can't grunt at 32. It's just not allowed. It is not allowed. No longer. Okay, if you grunt at 32, I'm going to assume you, you, you injured. And I'm going to send somebody to rescue you. Okay, Dylan, I want you to do something for me. I want you to get up, and I want you to walk right out the door. When you get to the floor, you turn on and come back. And look at you, walking like a healed man. No back problems. All right, go out there, and then turn around and come back. All right, come on. Come on, since you're healed, hustle a little bit. Move a little faster. All right, sit back down. All right, get back up. All right, go sit back down. <laughs> now, I want you to see something. We talked about a faith walk. Dylan just exhibited walking, right? But you know what? Here's the thing. I said, go do this. He was willing to go do it, right? I didn't pick him up and carry him. I didn't make him do it, right? I didn't even try to carry him. Dylan's a big fella. I won't carry him. Sometimes I have a hard enough time carrying me. But here's what had to happen. For Dylan to walk out that door, what had to happen? He had to choose... Not only, not only to get up, but then choose to walk, but then choose the path to walk. And then when he got there, he had to choose which door to go out. See, Dylan can't get from here to here when walking out that door. You can have all the instruction in the world, but you have to choose the path. 
See, every single morning of your life when you wake up, you are deciding a path. Every morning. You don't wake up one morning and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit just lifts you from your slumber. And totes you through to your job and sits you gently on your desk. The Holy Spirit walks with you. He doesn't walk for you. And so there's this, there's this uh, situation that goes on in the life of the believer that says, I've got to choose today what I'm going to walk in. See, I can choose weariness. I know some people, listen to what I'm say, I know some people who choose struggle. I know some people that if they don't have a struggle, they will find a struggle. Because struggle has become their identity, and they're comfortable in struggle. You ever worked with or known anyone that always chose the hard way? Always. Always. It's like, okay, you can do this, which is simple. Sean, you ever had a salesman? who tried their best to figure out the, the, the most difficult way to scheme themselves into selling cars rather than just coming to work, looking like they're supposed to look, knowing what they're supposed to know and doing their job. They work so hard to do something different than just working at doing what will work. How many times in my Christian walk do I run around a tree I don't have to run around or end up in a situation I don't have to end up in simply because I won't just take the path God lays out for me consistently do you know you cannot have everything God wants for you unless you learn the path of consistency see God operates God operates in a place of complete faithfulness so in that place of complete faithfulness is a God who is always consistent I can't walk next to God erratic. If my life is erratic, I'm not walking next to God. Because every morning, God brings the same sun up in the same place at the same time. Do you know when I'm walking with God, storms are not chaotic because my life is not chaotic? Do you know that I have to choose chaos? You say, oh no, chaos can just happen. No, it can't. No, it can't. I'm going to share something with you that's going to be an uncomfortable truth. Nothing in life just happens. It doesn't. You know what life is? Life is a series of choices. That's it. Life's hard. Life's not hard. John Wayne said life's hard. It's harder when you're stupid. I mean, you can't argue with that. It's one of my absolute favorite John Wayne quotes. Life's hard. It's harder when you're stupid. You know why? I've lived that. John, we've lived that. Life was life is real hard when we were stupid. And the, the smarter, the, the, the better choices you make, the easier life gets. It's amazing. You know, years and years when we were younger, you know, butting our heads against every wall and everything and every difficulty. And it's like, why is life so hard? It's hard because you're a moron. <laughs> <laughs> 
See, as you get older, you'll realize that. Life's easy when you're smart. It's hard when you're stupid. I mean, they, 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 there's so much great wisdom in that. So much great wisdom in that. But chaos is chosen. See, I've watched years and years in my life where you would see people and they'd be like, my life is the way it is because of ministry. Ministry is not chaotic. It is fluid, but it's not chaotic. You know why? God's not chaotic. So what do I do when I'm weary? Well, you got to change the way you're walking. Do you know easily? In my life, when I've gotten to the places of being weary, it was because I got lazy and then I got weary. I got lazy and then I got weary. Because I let life I just, I just let decisions, I, I, did, I, I didn't make those decisions that were the ones that were making me have to push. You know, you can make decisions that make you have to push, or you can make decisions that push you. I'll, I'll put it in a really, really easy, easy way to remember, because everybody can identify with money. You know, Jesus talked about money all the time. You know why he talk about money all the time? Because you, you can't live life without money. Can't. God, I got news for you. There ain't none of y'all pretty enough to fill a tank of gas in your car. Not a one of y'all. Y'all be as pretty as y'all want to be. Y'all woke up to the gas attendant. They're going to say, that'll be X amount of dollars. Well, but look how pretty I am. That will all still be X amount of dollars. Smile at them. Yep, still the same amount of money. I've had times in my life, let's see if I can put this right. Y'all give me a second. Me and the Holy Ghost sorting this out. Because I want everybody to catch this concept. Because I want you to catch the concept, not the money. The money is the way I'm going to teach you the concept. I've had times in my life where my finances were chaotic. Anybody ever had money pushing you? And I'm not talking about trying to, I'm not talking about because you was pushing hard to go make more money. I'm talking about because they wasn't enough money and it was creating a, a push. Anybody ever had that? Okay, good. Now, I, I, see, I figured this would be a good thing because I figure everybody, you know, who is grown, lives by themselves and pays their own bills has had this happen once or twice in their, in their life. Sean, you ever had a sales guy come to you that money was pushing him? But I'm fixing, I'm fixing to tell you something like I am the great oracle prophet. Every one of those men who have come to him with money pushing them, it was because they made horrible decisions leading up to that process. And see, what I want you to understand is in your life, you're either going to be pushed or you're going to push. 
In the times in my life where money has pushed me, it's because prior to that I didn't push money. In the times in my life where a thing in my life has pushed me, it's because I didn't first push it. See, if, if I just am sitting there and spending money out of my bank account till I run out of money. See, when I was young, this is what I would do. Y'all ready? This is how this worked when I was young. Especially when I was a drinker. <laughs> All right, here we go. Paycheck. Two days living like a king. Five days eating ramen noodles. Waiting on the payday so my stupid self could spend two more days living like a king. Man, two days, for two days after getting paid, you drinking like the man. Then for the next five days, you barely holding on. And then money's pushing me. See, in my life, I'm, I'm, I'm going somewhere. Y'all just hang with me. In my life, I can either push the thing or I promise you the thing will push you. Watch what I'm going to say. I can either push my marriage or down the road my marriage will push me. I can either push where my children are concerned or down the road I promise you this, life with your children will push you. I've been in ministry long enough now to watch people that did not push when their children were young. And now, life with their children is pushing them. Take anything you want to take, and the principle, the same principle applies. You said, I thought we were talking about being weary. You ain't been weary till you've been financial trouble weary. You ain't been weary till you've been family at home weary. You think you get weary from your job? Have to go home to a chaotic situation at home. You'll see weary. You know why? That's where you're supposed to rest. Have enough financial weariness and you can't sleep. You'll see real weary. Because what I don't press will press on me. I got all y'all's attention. That's a wonderful thing. Now let's go. <clears throat> Philippians 3. Verse 12, the Apostle Paul. Not that I have already obtained this goal of being Christ-like. Wow. Or I've already been made perfect. <clears throat> How about that? Man who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, Brother Floyd, saying, not that I have obtained me in Christ-like. Greatest revelation of God saved Jesus Christ of any man who ever walked on the earth. And he says this, I hadn't figured it out yet. Not that I have obtained me in Christ-like. At least it makes you feel a little better. Paul ain't got it, Cody. Watch this, though. Or have already been made perfect, but I actively press on. 
Now, I want you to read that now. <clears throat> if you've got a highlighter or a pen, highlight that in your Bible. I actively press on. No, there's, there's, there's two really, there's a really important phrase there that says he does something. He actively does what? Presses on. He says, I have not obtained this Christ-like thing, this, this Christ-like character, but I am doing something. I am actively pressing on. My question this morning to us is, are we actively pressing on? Or are we actively being pressed on? Watch, this is going to get really good right through here. I promise not to, I promise, I, even though I didn't preach Sunday or Wednesday at all, I'm not going to preach too much, I promise. I promise. I'm going to preach as long as it takes. But I actively press on so that I may take hold of that perfection which Christ Jesus took hold of me and made me his own. He says, in the King James, it says, it says that I may apprehend that which I was apprehended for. He says, you know, I have people all the time come tell me, Pastor Johnny, I just want to know my purpose. Well, let me tell you how you won't find it for sure. You ready? Sitting on your butt. Here's a surefire way to where you will never find your purpose. Sitting on your behind. The Apostle Paul says, I have not obtained it yet. I have not apprehended that which I was apprehended for, but yet I sit around and ponder the stars and wonder when the Lord shall reveal to me my purpose. He says, no, I actively press on in the pursuit of apprehending that which I was apprehended for. What's my purpose? I don't know. Go out and find it. Get off your butt and go find it. I don't know what I'm called to do. Go find it. Here's a novel idea. Put your hand to the plow, work in the kingdom, try a few things and see what sticks. Listen, was there anybody in this room that would, would disagree with this statement? Pastor Bill is called to children's ministry. We'd all agree with that? When Bill was 21 years old, he had no idea. He had no idea he was called to children's ministry. He, had, he heard Bill Wilson speak, and he heard Bill Wilson say this, the need is the call. He said, I think I'll try this. And over 20-plus years, what, 25? 27 years? Over 27 years, you know what he's had to do? Press on to apprehend that which he was apprehended for. But it took years for he knew what he was apprehended for, but he had to press on actively, not sit on his butt on a church pew, I'm weary. It's because you're not doing anything. You know what makes you weary? Sitting around thinking. You know the fastest way to being weary? Sitting around letting your mind run wild with you. That's the fastest way to being weary. You know why? Because the moment you sit there and do nothing, you know what you get hit with? The what ifs. Do you know the devil can't keep up with someone who's actively pressing on? But when you sit on your keister, he can catch you anytime he wants to. Catch you anytime he wants to, and you're just sitting around. Paul said, listen, I don't even, this is astonishing. Here he is writing letters to the church as the, as the ordained 12th apostle of the church of Jesus Christ. And he says, I haven't apprehended what I was apprehended for. I really, don't, I really don't know exactly. Oh, come on now. Y'all got to catch this. I really don't know exactly why I was knocked off an animal on the Damascus Road. 
I really don't know why I went blind for three days, sat at the feet of Jesus in the back of the Arabian desert for three years. I don't know why I did that, but i gotta keep, I got to keep looking till I do. I ain't figured out why this happened. sit around. Why am I here? Get up and go figure it out. Why are you asking me for? Just struggling with purpose. Okay, well, go pursue it. Listen, if purpose is a greased pig, you can't catch it on a couch. I got other news for you, too. You ain't catching no greased pig without getting your hands dirty. You're not going to find out your purpose with a clean hands. You also ain't catching no greased pig without some bumps and bruises. You're not going to find out your purpose without some bumps and bruises. And I'm going to tell you another way you're not going to find out your purpose is with that old thin skin you walk around with. You can catch Nene greased up or not. Listen, that pig is destined to be bacon. She can't even walk. Come on. I mean, that pig is literally sitting around in your backyard saying, smoke me now. Cure me and smoke me now. Salt me down and hang me. I mean, that pig is... She looks up at you with a folded over eyes. And said, just go on and eat me. It's fine. But just eat me now. Go ahead. But no, you're not going to, listen, you're not going to catch purpose without some bumps and bruises. You're not going to catch your purpose. You're not going to find your purpose without your feelings getting hurt. Listen, the Apostle Paul, he said, I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Paul, routinely stoned, beaten, imprisoned, still chasing his purpose. Oh, it's hard. I can't press on. I'm sad. Try pressing on from the, from the dungeon. Try pressing on from being stoned. Try pressing on from being whipped. Try pressing on from being beat for one purpose. He said that I might apprehend what I was apprehended for. Wow. Still talking about being weary. Y'all hang in here. 13. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider that I have made it my own yet. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. All right, watch this. You know where weariness lives? In your past. Weariness always lives in your past. It ain't the things you're going to go through that make you weary. It's the things you have been through that make you weary. But watch what I'm fixing to tell you, church. You won't stay weary if you don't hold on to them. What makes you weary is what you've been through. What makes you dread the future is what you're expecting it to be like the past. The Bible says the mercies of God are new what? Every morning. Paul said the only way I know to do this is I've got to forget what lies behind and I've got to look forward to that thing that lies ahead of me. I mean, y'all think about the Apostle Paul here. Let's put it in perspective with his life. He said, I got to forget the beatings. 
I got to forget being stoned. I got to forget being put locked in jail for preaching the gospel. But what lies ahead of me, Paul says, is finding out why I'm here, preaching the gospel, seeing men and women's lives changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I'm looking forward, not looking back. Listen, anyone who's ever served in long-term ministry, if all they did was look behind them, they would never want to get up and go anywhere forward. Because here's the deal. There are some good days. But there's some stuff that hangs. If you let it hang on you, it'll, hang, it'll drape itself over you. And once it drapes itself over you, man, you feel like you got to move ten steps to move one because you drape down with all that mess. Paul said, listen, I could live there. I could live there, but I, I can't live there. Let me put it this way. Paul says, I could exist there, but I can't live there. See, weariness is just an existence. Walking in the fullness of God is living. And so he says, I, I'm forgetting the things that are behind me. He said, I don't have it figured out, but there's one thing I'm pretty good at doing. He said, I ain't got all of it figured out, because here's the thing. You know, let me tell you a little secret. If you wait until you figure it all out before you do and move anything, do anything for God, you'll always be sitting there. If you're trying to solve your past before you embrace your future, if all you're doing is trying to solve your past before you move forward, you ain't never moving forward. Because I'm going to tell you this, you ain't never going to put the toothpaste back in the tube. You're not ever going to eat back every word you ever said to someone. And I got news for you, they're not ever going to be able to eat. Paul said, forgetting what lies behind and looking forward. If y'all don't hear anything else this morning, hear that. Look forward. Look forward. Look forward to what lies ahead. I told my mama this morning when she was smacking me in the arm for it. I said, Mama, I don't never, they don't ever celebrate me for getting old. <laughs> no. That's not for getting old. That's just my birthday. We're actually celebrating the fact that mom is 80. <laughs> celebrating mom. That's what, that's what she said, too. She said, they celebrate you every year. I said, not for getting old, just for a birthday. Mom, mom, you're the only person I know getting celebrated for being old. But here's, the, here's what I, I said that to say this. But every single day of my mom's best days are in front of her. Amen. You know how I know that? It's the kingdom of God says. That's what the word tells us. The glory of the latter house shall be greater than the glory of the former house. See, it doesn't matter right now if you're, if you're in this room whether you're 8 or 80, 9 or 90, the, your latter is greater than your past. Why is it we want to live in the past? What time is it? No, oh, i got time. So I've got to go somewhere y'all can go. Oh, I'm, I'm, I got to preach. Verse 14, he says, I press on toward the goal to win the heavenly prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Now, I want you to catch this real quick. Paul says this. He says, he says, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, I'm pressing towards a prize that nobody can take from me. So, you know what makes you weary? Worrying too much about this life. 
and not getting up in the morning and pressing toward the life we're called to. Because I got news for you. James says this life is but a vapor. At the end of the day, nothing really matters about what happens in this life because what we're working towards, what we're moving towards, what we're walking towards, what we're pressing towards is an eternity with Jesus. Paul said, listen, it don't really matter what's behind me because I know what's in front of me. It doesn't matter what's behind me. It don't matter where I've been. It don't matter. I mean, this is the Apostle Paul who stood, at the, stood and held the coats of the men who, who stoned the first martyr. Pursued and murdered Christians. He said, listen, I'm not worried about my past. Because I press toward the mark of the high calling, of Christ calling us upward. See, at the end of the day, church, I'm pressing toward heaven. See, I think it's easy for us to forget that because we get so bogged down in what's going on around us, but we're pressing toward heaven. Pressing toward heaven. I want to read one more scripture to you, and I, I won't be much longer. 1 Corinthians 9. Start in verse 24. This is Paul writing to the Corinthian church, and he's showing you what I press toward the call means. Watch this. 24, 9, 24. 1 Corinthians 9, 24. What it means to press on. What it means to press on in the tough seasons. What it means to press on so stuff don't press on you. How many of y'all get tired of things pressing on you? Anybody? Anybody get tired of things pressing on you? You know what? Let me tell you something. How many of y'all ever heard this statement? The best defense is a good offense. Let me tell you something. The other team can't score if they don't ever have the ball. Now, y'all, some of y'all might have picked up what I said besides just what I said. The other team can't score if they don't have the ball. The enemy can't score if you don't have the ball. It can't press on you if it's always defending. That's why Jesus said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against you. Not usually, not, you're not, oh, you know, keys to the kingdom and you'll hold out against hell. That ain't what it says. It says, the gates of hell shall not prevail against you. Jesus said it very simply. You can either press on the devil or the devil will press on you. You can get up every morning and you can run the devil off everything in your house, everything in your stuff, every relationship in your life, or you can just let him push on you, and he will. All right, watch. This is what Paul does. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run their very best to win, but only one receives the prize? He said, in a race, everybody's right. Everybody, ain't nobody out there just trying to compete. They want, well, nowadays, you know, everybody gets a trophy. But <laughs> back when Paul wrote this, back when Paul wrote this, listen, when I play ball, there was one MVP. And it was the best player on the team. Everybody didn't get an MVP trophy. We're all winners. No, we're not. Somebody lost. If someone didn't lose, there can't be a winner. You can't have a winner without a loser. I played games in my life where I was the winner and games when I was the loser. Winning's more fun. <laughs> Winning's much more fun. See, some of y'all probably had dads that you'd be like, it's not how you win or lose, it's how you play the game. My dad was, son, be a good sport, but win. 
That's how my dad taught me to play the game. It took me years to where I could even play church co-ed softball. It is what it is. I'm just telling you. My daddy instilled a competitive nature in me that just did not, did not quit. He got so mad at me my junior in high school. I was 16. We were playing co-ed softball, and I dove into home plate. And the, 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 all the ground had been packed down, and the clay was, I mean, it was like concrete. And I hit, and I broke my hip flexor like a, a, two months before basketball season started. I got up, and I'm dragging my leg back to the dugout. My dad comes walking off the bleacher. He said, are you hurt? I said, yes, sir, we're going to need to go to the emergency room. He said, you sure? And he just kind of looked at me. He's like, all right, so, yeah. He got mad at me, but I'm like, you can't get mad at me. That's what you taught me. All I asked him was, was I safe? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I beat the throw. <laughs> but he taught me that. It's not, you know, it, be a good sport, but win. Amen. And Paul says here, he said, don't you know that every runner who's running is running to win the prize? They're not running because they want to say, oh, look at me, I ran. Listen, this, he ain't talking about the McGuire's fun run where everybody drunk passed out on the road. That ain't even a run. That's just a big part of where people get drunk. Yeah, you can't, you can't run that. You'd be tripping over people. That ain't what he's talking about. He's talking about these guys who compete in the Ironman. These guys who run the Boston Marathon. The ones that don't just say, oh, I finished. The ones that are out there to win. That's what he's talking about. He says, listen, don't you know everybody runs with the intention of winning? Let me tell you why he says that. Because if you're going through life and you're running without the intention of winning, you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. If you're going through life and your intention is not to win... Well, I'm just not that way. I'm passive. Enjoy weariness. From John the Baptist till now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence. And what? Violent take it by force. All right. It says, run your race in such a way that you may seize the prize and make it yours. Okay, I want you to see something here. He says, listen, you can't go through life without goals. He says, you need to run your... Listen, if you, if you don't have life goals, I'm going to get right where we live this morning because I'm so tired of watching people in the, in the Church of Jesus Christ just float through life without goals of things they want to accomplish. He says, if you're going to run this race, you need to know what you're running for and you need to intend to seize that thing which you are running for. Sean, pick on you again. Your best salesmen are the ones that set goals for themselves, not the ones you set, right? Your top salesmen in, car, in the car business are always the guys that have their own goals. Not, not Sandy's goals, not Sean's goals, but the goals they put out for themselves. The ones that have the ones that you put out for them almost never hit them. Because they don't care. Because they're not trying to seize something. They're not, they're not pursuing it. They're not out there trying to win. And here's the funny thing. I've been around sales a lot in my life. I could walk on Sean's car a lot, and I could point to you his best salesman. Just based on the way they carry themselves, how they act, and their work ethic. And I could point to the ones that barely make enough cars to keep their job. And you know why that is? The ones that barely make enough cars to keep their job, that's what they're satisfied with. Can I tell you this? Everyone and every Christian I know has a life goal. Some of them just don't set them very high. 
Some of them just don't set them very high. Listen, if your goal is to stay married, that's not a high enough goal. I get where we live. If your goal is to stay married, raise your goal and expectation. He says, listen, pick a prize that's worth winning. You know a fast way to end up weary? Chase something nobody wants, including you. You want to be weary? Go after something nobody wants, including you. Because, see, weariness sets in when focus is gone. Weariness sets in when focus is gone, and focus is gone when there's nothing to focus on. Listen, I'm preaching good this morning. I hope y'all taking good notes. I'm just telling you. See, now I'm good now. Brother Floyd done told me excellent. I'm good. I'm going to rock and roll now. That's all I needed. Watch this. Run your race in such a way that you may seize the prize and make it yours. I love that. I'm, I'm, I, can't, I can't move off this yet. Apostle Paul he says, go make what's your rafter yours. He's very specific because he doesn't say, go achieve it and attain it for the whole kingdom. He says, go make it yours. He personalizes it. See, you want to tell you where you can get stuck? Feeling like you're working for everybody. You don't get weary, feel like, well, I'm doing this, this is all for the kingdom. No, you doing it to make you what God called you to be is what you do for the kingdom. You know what makes a successful kingdom? A whole bunch of successful subjects. That's what makes a successful kingdom. You know what makes a prosperous kingdom? You know what makes a kingdom that is doing what it's supposed to do? A bunch of subjects. People said the church is failing. The church is only failing if the people who make up the church is failing. But he says, you go after this. Pick the prize and then make it yours. Watch what that ties into real quick. Identity. Who am I? What are you chasing? What are you chasing? I just need to find my identity. Pick it out and go get it. People, I, I, I was sitting in my daddy's office one time, and a guy just told me, he said, I don't, I don't like the way my wife's going. Dad said, well, change it. The guy looked at him all puzzled, and dad said, why are you looking at me like that? Change it. If you don't like the way it's going, change it. Do something about it. You know what won't do anything about it? Whining. You know what else we'll do nothing about it? Denial. If I'm bad at something, I have to acknowledge I'm bad at something so I can get better at something. There were stretches in our marriage when Brandy and I got married. I was a bad husband. And some of you were too. 
Some of you still are. But I had to recognize, listen, with God, with God showing me, I had to recognize that I was not a good husband in areas. Or I would have just continued to be a bad husband. You can go through life in full denial, but nothing's ever going to change. I can't say that. Y'all, hold on, let me wipe my head and clean that out of my mouth. <laughs> it wasn't bad. It was just probably offensive. I shouldn't say it. No. <laughs> I mean, y'all know me. <laughs> if I said I shouldn't say it, there's a real strong probability I shouldn't say it. <laughs> I mean, anybody who's been to this church very long knows if the, if the filter catches it. Yeah. <laughs> Because my filter's got big old wide holes in it. I mean, it gaps, tears. Seize the prize and make it yours, verse 25. Now every athlete who goes into training and competes in the games is, is disciplined and exercises self-control in all things. Translation, you can't win the race if you don't train to run the race. Anybody ever run races much in their life? Anybody ever run very far? Okay, there's two ways you can do that. You can train for it and succeed. Or you can say, I got this. But in order to train for it, you have to be disciplined. See, he says you can win the prize that you put before you. You can walk in, 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 in the joy of the Lord. You can do all these things. You can have what God has for you. You can walk without being weary, but you can't do it without discipline. How many know that God is a God of discipline? You know how I know that? You can't be as faithful as He is without it. See, we live in a world that is not disciplined at all. See, everybody's here is disciplined. They think, oh, somebody needs to whip their children. That, it, that does need to happen in our world. That is not untrue. People do need to whip their children. You know how I know that? The Bible tells me that. So I, I, don't, I don't want to whip my kid. Fine, argue with, argue with Proverbs. That's fine. I won't even argue with you. But here's the thing. Our world lacks discipline. Our world lacks discipline. You know how I know that? Because people say, the national deficit is $32 trillion. That's great. Do you know what the American, American debt deficit is in our country right now? Over $140 trillion. Do you know why no one in our country has cared that our politicians have spent $32 trillion more than we brought in? Because it is customary for the way people live their lives. The debt of America is $140 trillion with, credits, with, with credit cards, all, all the debt that America owes. You know why? We're not disciplined. <gasps> Mm 
I got news for you. 330 million people don't get into $140 trillion of debt if they're disciplined. I've been in debt. I've been in different stages of debt in my life a lot. When my debt is worse, it's whenever my uh, discipline is worse. Period. Got to have that. No, you don't. Got to have it now. No, got five of them at home. But I don't have that one. <laughs> I ain't got stuff to put the stuff. I got a place to put the stuff I got. I ain't going to stay on that. That ain't even part of this morning's message. People just getting all worked up on that one. No, me and him had this conversation. Competes in the games is discipline, exercise, self-control in all things. They do it to win a crown that withers. But we do it to receive an imperishable crown that cannot wither. He says they work that hard to get something that withers away. The King James says a wreath. Something that tarnishes and withers. He said, but we're doing this. But now watch. I want to show you this last part. Woo. Listen, this, this will get on you. Unless you already got all this figured out, which you might. Therefore, I do not run without a definite goal. Listen, man, the church world is full of Forrest Gumps. Y'all remember the movie Forrest Gump? What did he do? He went running. Where are you running to? You know. All of a sudden, you got 10,000 people running behind him, and one day he just stops, turns around, I'm done running. <laughs> That's Christian folks. Run as hard as we can run. Without any kind of definite goal as to where we're going. Running hard, man, wide open. Paul said, I don't run without a definite goal. And that definite goal cannot be someone's chasing you. When I was younger, I used to run a lot. And the thing you learn really fast when you're running is you get to pick your point in front of you to run towards. You may run beyond that point, but if you start watching your feet or looking around, it won't be long for you don't run very long. You know why? Because we are built by God we are built by God to run toward a goal. Let me share something else with you. How many, ever, how many of y'all have ever ridden a bicycle? Okay, raise your hand. Okay, the ones y'all had, and we'll buy y'all a bike, teach y'all how to ride. When you ride a bicycle, where do you look when you ride a bicycle? Forward, right? Why? How many of y'all have ever tried to ride a bicycle for any length of time looking to your left or right? No, I'm, I'm going. Y'all follow where I'm going here. God made you and I this way specifically. 
You get on a bicycle and you start riding that bicycle. If you take your eyes off of the road that you are intending to ride down and you look to the left or the right, it will not be but just a little bit of distance. Are y'all picking up what I'm putting down? Paul said, I'm not going to run unless I have a definite goal to run toward. If you get up in the morning to walk your Christian walk and you don't have a definite goal, all you end up doing is wandering off to the right for a while, wandering off to the left for a while, fall down, get up, dust off your skint knees, get back on your bicycle, go riding again. See, I've spent many times in my life, in my Christian walk, walking without knowing for sure where I'm going. It's like the old quote, if a man doesn't know what harbor he seeks, there's not enough light to guide him there. If you, listen, Jesus is the light of the world, but if you don't know where you're going, there ain't enough light to get you there. I'll keep going. Therefore, I do not run without a definite goal. I do not flail around like one beating the air of shadow boxing. That's what the Amphite says. He said, I don't sit there and just punch around and punch the air. Paul said, I don't just flail around aimlessly. Listen, about half of us don't never give the devil a bloody nose because we just wildly swinging. You ever get in a fight with somebody just wildly swings, you can beat the crap out of them. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> That's exactly right. That's exactly right. One side step. Yep, that's it. But now watch, I said that, I said exactly the way I meant to say it. Because if you're just flailing around without any aim to your punches, the devil's going to do what, Cody? Sidestep you and knock you out. That's what's going to happen. Paul said, I don't run without a definite goal, and I don't punch air. I don't get up in the morning just wandering around aimlessly, and I ain't punching air in my fights. You're not ever going to whoop the devil punching air. Well, y'all, I'm preaching myself happy, so... (laughs) Cody's got him a new favorite verse. But watch this now. Watch this. He says, I don't flail around like one beating the air, just shadow boxing. But like a boxer, I strictly discipline my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached the gospel to others, I myself will not somehow be disqualified as unfit for service. He says, I keep myself under control. He said, I keep myself, he said, like a warrior, like a boxer, like a fighter, I keep myself under control so that I don't spend all my time telling somebody else how to fix their stuff and I fall away myself. Listen, I can tell you this, and anybody in ministry very long can, can, can tell you what I'm fixing to say. You can get so busy being in ministry that you end up falling away from what you're supposed to do. 
If I can get on, if I get honest people in ministry, you can get so busy trying to get people where you want, where they need to be, that for long you wandering around without an aim point. See, I've had times in my life where I was so busy worrying about everybody else that the chaos crept in on me. Because I was getting up in the morning and I was just aimlessly going about what I was supposed to be doing, but I was not like a boxer buffeting my body, focusing myself on what I was supposed to do, carrying out what God had called me to. And I look around and everything in my life is chaotic, but boy, I've told everybody how to fix theirs. Paul said, you've got to watch that. Because you'll find yourself flailing around. Brother Floyd, how many flailing preachers have you seen in your life? If you've been in ministry long, you have. Yeah, every one of us has. Been flailing around, punching in air, not hitting nothing. No definite goals, no moving forward with your life or the life of your family. And all of a sudden, you look around. Listen, let me tell you something. I'll tell you, I've, I've seen in my daddy's lifetime pastoring, I've seen more preachers who their life were flailing around aimlessly with no direction because all they thought they were doing was ministering to people. Let me tell you something, you church, church people, Christian people, ministers of the gospel, everyone here is a minister of the gospel, you can get so busy, so busy trying to do things that you lose focus of the goal. You lose that direction. And before long, before long, that which you're supposed to be pressing on is pressing on you. Pressing on you. That which you're supposed to be pushing against, pushing against you. Weariness is created in complacency. Feeling stuck. But here's the thing about complacency. Complacency is created when we try to stand still in the kingdom of God. You can't do it. You cannot stand still in the kingdom of God. I, I can attest to it. I've tried. I'll just, I'm here. I'm good. Here's what's going to happen if you try to stand still. Oh, I'm being consistent. No, you're not. You can't, you can't stand still. You're either going to go forward or you're going to go backwards. That's it. That's it. There is, no, there is no in the middle in the kingdom. You're either going forward or you're going backwards. And forward puts you through some places dealing with stuff you don't want to deal with. See, what I'm talking about this morning, you start pressing, God will start pressing some things up out of you. It's uncomfortable. What I'm talking about this morning is uncomfortable because that's saying, okay, God, I'm going to push, I'm going to push, I'm going to push, I'm going to push, and I'm going to end up in some tough spots. I'm going to have to push on some people who have been pushing on me. No, y'all ain't even heard that. See, you start pushing, you start pressing, God's going to put you in some scenarios where you're going to have to press back against some folks that's been pressing on you because they used to pressing on you. There have been people in my life that have pressed on me. They weren't doing anything wrong. They didn't know they was pressing on me because I let them. But then you say, no, that ain't going to work for my life. 
I got to press. And as you begin to press, you're going to get into some difficult scenarios. There's some folks, if you start pressing on toward the thing God called you to, you're going to press in some rough territory with some family members. Because there's some folks in your family that have pressed on you because you let them. And for long, they push you into a corner you don't want to be in. Push you into a place where you're never going to walk into the purpose God has for you. So you start pressing. Here's the other thing going to happen when you start pressing. You may not be weary, but you're going to be tired. I'm going to say something, and people may or may not like it. But if you don't go to bed tired, you're not pressing. If you don't go to bed tired, you're not pressing. People say, I just don't sleep well at night. Get tired enough, you will. You start pushing it back on life, you'll get tired. Listen, you, ain't, you ask my wife, you ain't got to worry about me falling asleep. My wife's the only thing she's probably happy about is I don't really snore very much. Because if she did, she'd never get to sleep. Because when I lay down, I, my mom used to say this about when I was a little kid, and it pretty, holds pretty well true now, is I have two speeds, wide open and off. <laughs> Which, here's the deal. When I know what harbor I seek, that's a good thing. When I don't, it's chaotic. You hear me, don't you? Yeah, wide open is good unless you're running wide open in the wrong direction. But church this morning, we don't have to choose weariness. We press. We press. You say, well, I'm just, I'm tired, Pastor John. It's press. Press home. The other thing about Paul saying, I don't run without a goal. If you're going to wear yourself out, at least get something at the end. If you're going to work hard, if you're going to press hard, if you're going to push, at least get something at the end. One more time with Sean. Sean, your best salesman. Everybody wants to be him when you call them up there for the bonus checks. And it's always the ones that set their own goals and push hard. Every one of them. How many dealerships have you worked at in your life? Well, two, I mean, separate stores. You were at what? Yeah, separate stores. Okay. And at, all, at every one of those stores, the guy who makes the most money is the guy who does what? Yep. Every say. Every, every one of them. And you, you, you could walk in and pick him out without even knowing who he was. And everybody, everybody wants to be him when the prize is handed out. How do I get better? Yeah. And everybody wants to be them when the prizes are handed out. How do I get that? Well, you see, have you ever seen that person in life that everything seems to go their way? Anybody ever seen that person? It's like that old saying, the harder I work, the luckier I seem to get. 
You know, people who have more in the kingdom of God are the people who press harder in the kingdom of God. You know, I'm fixed to say something, and I'll, I'll be done. Every person in this room has the same Holy Spirit. Every person in this room has the same salvation. Every person in this room has the same Lord and Savior. Every person in this room has the same righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. But every person in this room has a different life because of how hard they press. God is no respecter of persons. He has given every person in this room the exact same tools. Y'all stand with me. I'm not done, but I'm going to quit. Absolutely. My, my daddy will give you a lot of wisdom. I, and I'm, I'm going to tell you something very practical here, and then I'm going to close. If you don't have a goal, go home and write one. If you're married, do something that you don't do all the time. Sit down and talk to your spouse and write one together. Let me tell you the best thing in the world, the best thing in the world for a marriage, I'm fixed to tell you what it is. Y'all ready for it? Unified goals. The best thing in the world for a successful, long, and happy marriage is unified goals. The Bible says, how can two walk together lest they agree? See, if you give, see, more, here's where I, I'm just going to throw this out here. Why not? Might as well. More strife is created in marriage because the, the, the verse of the Bible that says, men are to love their wives the way Christ loved the church, right? Lay their, lay their life down for them. And women are to do what? Submit to their husband. Okay, here's why that always causes a fight. No common goal. You want me to tell you why that causes a fight? No common goal. A woman's supposed to submit to a man she don't know where he's going? A man's supposed to love his wife if he don't know she's coming along? You establish a common goal, here's what happens. Everybody knows they're on the same team, working for the same thing, fighting for the same thing, pushing towards the same thing. That's why I always want to stay married will never work. If you've got a team that works with you at work, same thing. If you have a team you work with at work, same thing. There ain't no unified goal. You're never going to move everybody forward. The reason why the stupid idea of no winners and no losers in sports has destroyed our young people in sports is because there's what's the unified goal? If, if, if it doesn't matter whether you win or lose, what's the unified goal? Well, we're all going to get out here and play and have fun. But no matter whether we win or lose, we all get the same reward. So you know what you end up with? 
You end up with entitlement, but you end up with people who don't know how to be on a team. Because if there's no unified goal, there's nothing for the team to push towards, everybody's just going to do their own thing. Everybody's just going to do their own thing. Yeah. Be- the, best thing, the best thing I ever saw in a basketball game, and I'll tell you how this is not close. We were over to a school in Mississippi playing at a, a school that absolutely whooped our tail. Um, but they were, they were a prep school, and everybody on their team was scholarship. They all lived on, on, on campus. It was a private school. And, I mean, these, they, they had some horses. These guys could play. But they had a junior varsity team that was kids from around the area. They weren't scholarship. They had this one kid, and the kid was a ball player. I mean, the kid was a – he was head and shoulders better than anybody on, the, on their team. Better than head and shoulders better than anybody on the floor. I mean, the kid was – he was a ball player. But he also was a ball hog. And so, I mean, when I tell you, I thought that Bill Hoynacki was going to wet himself laughing at this. This coach, the coach for that team was an incredible coach. He had that kid, after the kid, the kid went down, took shots, probably he probably took the first ten shots of the game, and honest to God, he probably made eight of them. I mean, the kid could play. But he never would pass the ball, and the coach told him, you know, pass the ball. We were sitting behind the bench, or Bill was sitting behind the bench, and we were getting ready for a game, for the varsity game. And coach said, son, run the offense. Do the same thing again. Well, after about the third time the coach told him that, the coach made him dribble the ball up the floor, pass the ball off, and go stand in the corner where the half-court line and the baseline met and just stand there. Team ran the offense, took their shot. He ran back down and played defense. So you're watching this. You're thinking, okay, he's going to make him do that for a few plays. Nope. He did that the remainder of the first half. You're like, okay, well, maybe he's going to let him give it a crap. Nope. Come out the second half, kid dribbled the ball down the floor, passed it off, stood in the corner, played defense the whole game. The whole game. But the kid learned something. The team had an objective. The team had an objective. And his job was not to show everybody how good he was. I remember I could take you to the place, I could take you to the place where I was praying, talking to God, when God told me, son, you're not the hero of your marriage. You're on the team. And it changed the way that I view my beautiful bride. It also is the day I realized that she is much smarter than I am. Oh, I that, listen, listen. If you you ought to know me well enough, that I ain't gonna say nothing. I don't mean. She is much smarter than I am. But for years, it didn't work. We got to have our goals. That's free. That wasn't even part of the sermon. That's just for those of y'all who need it. And those of y'all that don't know you need it, but you need it. And Cody, who's honest. <laughs> 
Y'all bow your heads with me. Just lay your hand on your neighbor next to you. Pray however God leads.